0: Okay, so uh, back at it.
1: We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I am Carson Cunningham, fresh off a trip to Mexico, joined as always by Colby Powell. And Colby, I feel like I've missed about 10 different storylines to hit on, so we're going to try and get through all of them today.
0: Yeah, there's been a lot happen. Uh, Happy late birthday to you. Sounds like you had fun down in Mexico.
1: Oh, it was great. I mean, uh, they they went all out to help to help me celebrate. It was just me and my fiance down there. It was uh, probably the best birthday I ever had, to be honest, which is great. So it was uh, it was good to kind of disconnect from all the OU and Texas SEC stuff for a couple of days. I did kind of keep tabs on what was going on with with that in Oklahoma State a little bit via Twitter and stuff. But uh, it was it was a good time and. I come back tan, rested, and ready for football season, just 31 days away. So before we get into all those topics, it's, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop Cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. I mentioned it, just 31 days until kickoff for Oklahoma State. I know this conference realignment talk is going to be going on throughout the season, but football season's basically here. The countdown is on. So get over to Chris's, get your gear for this season. I think Boone Pickens is going to be packed after – We had to keep it kind of low numbers with COVID and everything, but I think uh, we're going to see, unless this Delta variant comes up, that's a whole other discussion, but be sure to stop by Chris's if you're in Stillwater or just shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. All right, Colby, let's start with Mike Gundy who we heard from while I was gone with Marty Smith. He got in depth about what he thinks the future is for college football he spoke even more about it when he was inducted in the Oklahoma Sports Hall of Fame, which is a big deal, that, that Mike Gundy was inducted. It was great for him, great for his family. But uh, he he kind of hit on some things that I think are true in that he said, don't worry about Oklahoma State. I, I think Oklahoma State absolutely should worry. But he's right in that they have a great football program, a great product to deliver to TV. They're one of the most... High, they, I think they're the most highly viewed football program among the remaining eight schools. So if anyone should be less worried of the remaining eight schools. I think it's Oklahoma State. and That's basically what Mike Gundy tried to say at uh, his Hall of Fame induction.
0: Yeah, and he, he tried to make it known, too. You know, we've got the stability of having the same head coach in place for 17 years. And even in his conversation with Marty Smith, he brought that up. And he's like, you know, not trying to toot my own horn or anything, but been here 17 years. We've got stability. So, uh, Gundy, Gundy was in front of a mic a lot this week uh, and got into a lot of different things. The Oklahoma Sports Hall of Fame was a great class, uh, and that's a huge honor. Uh, some of those classes that go in every year, just the absolute best of the best throughout the history of Oklahoma athletics. And I, I don't know. Um, the Big 12 is is obviously not going to make it. I think OSU should be a little worried, but not a lot worried. The, the only concern I would have if I was Oklahoma State is... I don't think the SEC thing is really happening. I think that feels more like West Virginia and maybe Notre Dame, depending on what happens with their TV contracts. I think the worry would be if the Big Ten won't take you because of the academic nonsense, because the Big Ten still wants to uh, hold their noses up in the air and, and just think that they're better than everybody because they've got Ohio State and Michigan and everybody else can be terrible. Uh, and Michigan, quite frankly, has been terrible in recent years. Um, but if the Big nose turn, if the Big Ten turns their nose up at you, And then the Pac-12 just decides not to expand, which I don't know why they would do that because you don't want to get left in the dust. But if they just decide, no, we're good. That's the scenario I can see Oklahoma State uh, getting left in what would become some sort of merger between the American and the Big 12. But I don't think that that's happening. Uh, I don't think Oklahoma State needs to be really worried. On a scale, my, my worry scale on a one to 10 Carson that Oklahoma State doesn't wind up in one of the eventual power four conferences is at about a three. Am I too low there?
1: No, that's, that's kind of where I would land. I would, I would say I'm closer to a a four, maybe even a five strictly for what you mentioned. If I don't know how eager the big 10 is to add anybody. I don't think they're very eager at all. But I do think if they were, I think they would go after the Pac 12 and, and do more of a partnership kind of what the Big Twelve is kind of discussing with the Pac 12 currently as well, because they do have that kind of symbiotic relationship with the Rose Bowl. They just they get off on that thing, that how they play each other in the Rose Bowl. And they have a long-standing relationship. That's my rising concern as we're moving forward is does the Pac 12 align themselves with the Big Ten? But the, the problem with that, if you're the Pac 12, is The Big Ten would have all the bargaining power on any sort of alliance. They've got way more money. They don't need the Pac-12. Pac-12 needs them. So I think they might get raked over the coals if they try to do a joint thing with the Big Ten or even combine some schools. And I think the Big Ten could really raid the Pac-12 and put them in the same position that the Big 12's in. So I'm with you, though. I'm a little concerned, but I'm not overly concerned. Um, So what what do you think about Everything that's happened to this point, Colby. What do you think is the most likely scenario for Oklahoma State if they were to leave? I still think the most likely is probably the Pac-12. It's
0: honestly, Carson. It's getting a little exhausting at this point because this is really just getting ramped up. But I mean, it's August. We we this is the storyline right now. Usually these are the dog days of summer. We don't have anything going on right now. There's a lot going on, but it's just been the same thing for two weeks now oh you and Texas going to the SEC what's it mean financially for the Big 12 who could the Big 12 hook up with what about Oklahoma State what about TCU what about Baylor what about Tech just what about Kansas basketball Big Ten yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and everyone's just freaking out losing their minds it, it's going to require a little bit of patience the amount of talks uh, contract negotiations everything that has to go in to conference realignment and schools jumping from one conference to another that stuff just takes time it's still going to be going on I think well into the season uh, I think that it's some point Oklahoma State will wind up a member of the Pac-12, but I don't think that we'll know that prior to the end of this season. I think it'll be uh, early 2022 before we really have a concrete grasp and contracts in place for conference realignment for the remaining Big 12 teams.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm torn on this because I don't think any of the eight schools are in in an absolute hurry to jump ship, which gives me a great feel of concern for Oklahoma State because I think the last school out the door or the first school out the door rather is the one that's going to survive and get into a power five conference where if you sit around on your hands and, and let's say Kansas leaves for the big 10 you're totally screwed I mean if one school leaves you are done it's over and I'm curious if Bob Bowlesby has made all the schools sign something I don't even know if he can do that I don't know how the, the back channeling works between Bob Bowlesby trying to keep the eight schools together because if I'm Oklahoma State. I don't trust anybody. I don't trust West Virginia to, to skip town. I don't trust Kansas to skip town. Every single school should be looking to do that. So I I do think the most likely scenario is that the Pac-12 plucks four schools, Oklahoma State, and most likely the Texas schools to the to Pac-12. That's my most likely scenario. But let me run this by you. You know, my dad, he has some takes about the brand and, Uh, what OSU should be wearing on the field. And just, he he always has some interesting takes. And I did not expect him to throw this at me last night when we were talking about it. He thinks that the eight schools should remain and just work out this scheduling alliance with the Pac-12. Because really, you don't have to do anything for what, four more years until the grant of rights are up. And you can really, you know, OU and Texas are just dying to get to the SEC, just dying to get there what better way to get back at them than to make them play in the big 12 for four or five more years, whatever, I think it's four more years, and sign your deal with the Pac-12, come to an agreement with them that you're going to sign after your 2025 is up, and just hold OU and Texas feet to the fire to where if they just, they can't stand anymore and they pay you 80 million a pop, you divvy that up and and go about it, but I just, I don't trust any teams leaving Colby. That's the only problem I have with that scenario. But my dad, my dad was a little eager to keep the, uh, the big eight together. The little 12, what do you want to call it?
0: I'm certainly, Oh, don't call it the little 12 Carson. Oh, I know.
1: I had to throw that in there.
0: All hell will break loose if we call it the little 12. Uh, You know, the big eight, if I don't have much interest in keeping those eight together, I I do think, you know, if you wanted to spot them, you could spot them that way. They'd probably pay the buyout and just get out of town. I just don't know that that's, what's best for the long-term health of Oklahoma State to have some sort of scheduling alliance and keep your eight teams because I, and I'm not thinking about what's best in 2023 or 2024. I'm thinking about 2030, 2035. The future of college football looks so different than the present of college football, which already looks so different than what football was 10 years ago. I mean, in 2035, Oklahoma State needs to be a part of something that, that's big something that's permanent, something that will be around and will allow you to su- to sustain the success you've had over the past decade, not only to sustain it, but to grow it. I mean, we want Oklahoma State to make more money. We want Oklahoma State to get better recruits, to win more games, to do all these things, better stadium, all that different stuff. And I just don't know that keeping the eight schools together and getting a scheduling alliance with another conference really accomplishes what you want it to for 10, 15, 20 years down the road. Uh, I will say in the interim for the next four years, it'd be hilarious if they stuck together and OU and Texas, either had to forego over the 80 million a piece, which is probably what would happen or play in this conference for another four years. Uh, Cause I do think, and I, I want to correct any, any misconceptions about when the grant of rights expires. Cause everybody's saying 2025, it expires in summer of 2025. I believe it's June 30th. That means the 2025 college football season does not fall under that window it doesn't expire after the 2025 collegiate football season it expires just before so yes it would be four more years for OU in Texas if the Big 12 decided to go that route
1: yeah that's that's important to note and and you're totally right about that uh the Big Ten that's where I think Oklahoma State wants to go that's who I think they're in communication with I thought it was very interesting what's that
0: you seen Dr. Shrum's post about the research institutions
1: uh, I saw many of her posts. She's posted a lot. Which, which ones?
0: Uh, she's uh, Just a couple times there have been posts. There have been uh, like newsletters that have been sent out that people have posted. And just hammering home all of the different stuff Oklahoma State's doing as a research facility. And it's just, I mean, obviously it's not a coincidence. They're trying to send a message to the Big Ten.
1: Yeah, and I thought the, the interesting word she used was land-grant institution. Like Ohio State. There's a lot of land-grant schools in the Big Ten. That was not a coincidence. I think Cade Webb on Twitter pointed that out. I thought it was a great point by him. That is not a coincidence that she threw that in there. That's where they want to go. That's where they're positioning themselves to go. I just don't know if the Big Ten can get over their AAU thing. I think Nebraska is no longer an AAU school, but I guess they just want that if you're going to come in because that's where they want to be, and I I do think that – there would be a fit there with Kansas going up there. You know, everyone wants to knock Kansas football and that's certainly true, but I think that would make a lot of sense for those two schools to go there. Now, if they can get over it, I'm not sure, you know, SB nation, I just kind of Googled AAU earlier today and SB nation kind of made a point about how that shouldn't be a prerequisite anymore about how the AAU is kind of an outdated narrative and that it shouldn't be a, a prerequisite as you see Nebraska has already lost theirs very quickly. So I I do wonder what those conversations are like between Dr. Schrum, Chad Weiberg, and the Big Ten representatives, because I do believe those those conversations are occurring. And you know, I everyone just says it's a pipe dream and there's no chance it could happen. I don't think I agree with that. I think the Big Ten, it would serve them well to get down in the southern states. Uh Kansas maybe not one of those, I guess. Maybe Maybe they're not Southern enough, but they do meet the AAU requirements. But just they don't like playing November games in, in their conference because it's zero degrees. I think getting getting a little further south would certainly help. And in addition to just strengthening their football, um, they already make tons of money. I just – I don't know how much Oklahoma State brings to the the TV revenue. That's the big question that Oklahoma State's going to have to answer with with their representatives.
0: Yeah, I think the Big Ten, the AAU stuff, the the Big Ten we all know, they like to walk around with their noses in the air. They like to think that they are absolutely 100% unequivocally better than everyone else. And that – pardon me, that is what led them to add a school like Rutgers to the conference. Rutgers doesn't bring you much but boy they got that AAU. Oh they're up there in Jersey let's bring Rutgers in I I don't know the big Twin, the Big Ten I don't think is a pipe dream. I do think it could be realistic if someone in the Big Ten office would just stand up and say guys, what are we doing here? It is 2021. College football is a billion-dollar industry, and you're still determining who we bring into this conference based on some AAU accreditation that some committee somewhere decides whether you meet the requirements as a research institution. And we're that's what we're basing our conference membership on in the year 2021 with all the money that is now being thrust into collegiate athletics? It's just – Somebody in that room needs to stand up and just common sense has to prevail for the Big Ten. I don't know that it will, though. I I think that they are very uh, set in their ways and they like, I think that they really like being able to walk around with their noses in the air like they're better than everybody.
1: Well, that's where I think it's changed quite a bit. You know, 10 years ago, they acted like they wouldn't have taken Oklahoma because they're not in a school. In 2021, the Big Ten would absolutely take Oklahoma for what they bring to television and ratings and and all those things. So I think that's why I think it's a little outdated. And this is where I think Oklahoma State really needs to hammer home the point that they bring in eyeballs. You know, I thought I thought Stuart Mandel's article from the Athletic was completely misleading on the ratings for other schools not named Oklahoma and Texas. It was a very skewed article, didn't display all the facts. Adam Lunt's done a great job about this, Marshall Scott has done a great job about this, kind of illustrating that people watch Oklahoma State football games. And that's how OSU is going to convince the Big Ten if they're they're going to. And I looked it up myself, Colby. I just kind of wondered, you know, Big Ten's got big stadiums, big attendance numbers. Uh, We all know those things. I looked up just the national attendance leaders. And OSU was like 27, 26, 28 in that realm, in total attendance and and an average attendance. Like, this is not bringing in – Kansas football with a half empty high school stadium you're bringing in a state-of-the-art boom picking stadium full of fans that can it's a great destination for a Big Ten school to come for a road game so I just I do I do think Oklahoma State has something to offer in terms of the TV dollars and attendance and just being a big-time football program and so I think I think those facts and figures to me were very important and something they'll have to bring to the table
0: Yeah, I would not have guessed that Oklahoma State was in the top 30 in attendance because the stadium just isn't very big. But you think about it, I feel like when people think about big collegiate football stadiums, everybody immediately defaults to the big house and uh, Alabama, Tennessee, Penn State, some of these huge stadiums across the country. I mean, seeing where Oklahoma State falls on the list puts it in perspective. There just aren't a ton of those. It's not like there's 100 stadiums out here nationally that are putting 90,000 people a week in the seats. Very few. There are a handful of programs around the country that can put more than 80,000 in the seats every Saturday and Oklahoma state at 55,000 being in the top 30 of attendance. That surprises me, but I mean, whenever you look at the, at the big picture, look how many teams are in power five conferences and then think about how many stadiums in those conferences actually hold more than 50 or 60,000 people. It's not that many. So, yes, I also think Oklahoma State has something to offer. I just think that someone in the room in the Big Ten offices needs to step up and say we've got to stop with the AAU stuff. And just real quick, just because I, I saw this story on Twitter, but uh, it's somewhat of interest to the conversation we're having just about how the landscape of collegiate athletics is changing and what it's going to look like 10, 15, 20 years from now, just this year, Notre Dame, which has this huge deal with NBC that they've had forever. Notre Dame's home opener against Toledo will not be televised on NBC Carson. It will be streamed on Peacock. How about oh that? For Notre
1: Dame's hope opener. Wow. That reminds me of, Trying to watch Oklahoma State on ESPN 3 last year, or uh, ESPN Plus is, is what it's known as now.
0: Uh, two years ago when when ESPN put the OSU-Kansas State game that Chuba Hubbard ran for a million yards and had two 90-yard <laughs> touchdowns. How about when they put that conference game on ESPN 3?
1: Yeah, and that's, that's another thing that bothers me about, you know, where OSU stacks in TV ratings. They got thrown on ESPN yes. Plus a bunch last year, where oh, games that would have been rated – higher than some of their contemporaries that week of the schedule. So it's very misleading. And I think I think it's on Chad Weiberg to really just beat the Big Ten over the head with it on where they rank in the TV ratings because they're up there. They're, they, people watch Oklahoma State. Mike Gundy said, it. we're a fun team to watch. We have a great product. And so I, I do want to ask you this, Colby, and you know Barry Trammell wrote about the TV ratings as well, and he, he's adamant that OSU should keep Bedlam because it would be a good bargaining chip for the conferences they would be trying to join. And I don't disagree with that. That's the only way I would ever play Bedlam again, is if it makes a difference between Oklahoma State getting into the Big Ten or even the Pac-12 to keep that Bedlam game, which rates very highly, obviously, in the state, but more so nationally as well. That's the only way I would play Bedlam. Would you?
0: I I still – If you needed Bedlam to get another conference to take you, I would play Bedlam. Like if the Big Ten said, hey, we'll take you, but we need more TV uh, viewers. We need more leverage for our contracts. We need to have more eyeballs on your game. You got to play Oklahoma every year. You just have to. It'll be a monster game. If you do that, we'll take you. Big Ten says that. Guess what? We're playing Bedlam. We're playing Bedlam every September. First game of the year, don't care. Second, third game, don't care. We're playing Bedlam every year if it means you get into the Big Ten. But if another conference isn't holding you over the coals to play it, I wouldn't play it. Uh, Mike Gundy's traditionalist comment—I mean, he just opened himself up to so many jokes when when he basically implied that he wouldn't mind seeing Bedlam stick around because he's a traditionalist. It's like. <laughs> Come on, man. It has not been a very fun tradition in your 17 years in Stillwater. So he kind of opened himself up to it on that one. But that's about the only way I would play it is if probably the Big Ten or the Pac-12 said, we will take you, but only if you play Bedlam every year so we can get another 5 million eyeballs on one of your games.
1: Yeah, it's a no-brainer if that's the case. I just I wonder how much one non-conference game really would, would shift – a yes or no answer out of the Big Ten or the Pac-12. That that I don't know. I mean, I know it brings in a lot of ratings for one game scenario, one week scenario, and maybe that's appealing. Maybe it is. It it rates very highly. It's been one of the more nationally relevant rivalries in the country over the last 10 years. So I'm I'm curious about that. But besides the TV revenue, this is why I wouldn't play it if Oakland State's trying to survive on their own still. Because if the Big Ten says, yes, I'm with you, Colby, we're going, we're playing Bedlam, OSU has won. They have upgraded their status going to the Big Ten, getting out of the uh, the, of the Big 12. But Adam Lunt has just been all over this story and, and the numbers, and Marshall Scott expounded on it with his help on pistols firing just about what OSU generates in revenue from hosting a Bedlam game. And it, it comes up to a close to $2 million when they host it, but they only host it every other year. So a two-year average is about $900,000. And I'm sorry, your dignity and your self-respect and your business partner beating you over the head with a frying pan is not worth $900,000. I'm sorry, I'm not playing Bedlam just because it it generates some more revenue than other games in, in one, a one-game season every two years.
0: Yeah, and also, you're, you're whenever you're making that point, I think you're ignoring the fact that if Oklahoma State were to get into the Big Ten or the Pac-12 Carson, that means that you're going to be having some some teams that you're going to be hosting. You're going to generate big money, big big money. Yes. U.S. comes to Stillwater, big money. Oregon comes to Stillwater, big money. Ohio State or Michigan come to Stillwater, big big money. Like you said, 900k over a two-year rolling average. I mean, come on, man, that's not worth that's not worth 42 to 14 every year. It's just not. I I just I'm out on it. It's not fun. I don't enjoy it. I. Some people do. Some people are traditionalists. I'm not. Maybe that's just me being young. I was born in 1992. Bedlam hadn't been a lot of fun for me in my life, and I have no interest in seeing it continue.
1: <laughs> I'm with you. And let's, let's stay on that point, because I was in Mexico when I saw OU President Joe Harris and Joe Castiglione's comments come out of their uh, Board of Regents meeting. And I thought Brian Keating had a great tweet on this, and he and I spoke about it later on. I want to tell both of those things. His tweet was essentially uh, Joe Harris saying they want to keep playing Bedlam and putting the blame on OSU for not playing it is quite the gymnastics maneuver. And I totally agree with that. The idea that OU is putting the onus on OSU that Bedlam will be ending is pure nonsense. It's, it's, it's lack of common sense. And the analogy Brian used uh, was imagine you're married and your spouse cheats on you and still wants to be friends like no we're not we're not doing that we're not friends anymore that's that's how it is and it's, it's basically the analogy i would use colby is oklahoma and oklahoma state whether ou wants to deny any ties they can't they've they've, they've been essentially they they both those schools have been in business together for 110 years 115 years whatever it's been that's a that's a that's a partnership. That's a business relationship. And they got stabbed in the back by their business partner. And, and 10 years ago, they were in lockstep together. And they, they got greedy. They made their choice. They made their business decision. But there's costs at doing shady business. And that's what this was. This was a shady business deal done in the back channels and back rooms. Greg Sankey was sitting at a table with Bob Bolesby while this was going down under Bob's nose. And that's that's just bad business, that's shady business. So OSU should absolutely not play this game unless they land in a power five. That's that's exactly the way I feel about it.
0: I mean, the way that OU came off to me last week, I thought that they were very much trying to restructure the conversation and paint themselves as the good guys. Like, oh, no, I know we're leaving, but we still want to play, y'all. It's a a great in-state rivalry. And I I thought it was really an attempt to paint themselves as the good guys and put the onus back on Oklahoma State. Like, we said we still wanted to play them. What are they mad at us for? It's – like you said, look, I don't blame somebody for going and taking the money. You want to go take the money? Go take the money. I'd have done the same thing if I was in OU shoes. But you can't expect everybody that you're leaving behind you as you just torch the bridge on your way out the door. You can't expect all the people that you left on the other side of the river to come swimming across to greet you on the other side. Are you kidding me? You, you, want, to go, you want to go play Alabama and, and get the money? Go play Alabama and get the money. I'd have done the same thing. But guess what that means? That means we're no longer friends. Have fun. Enjoy it. Hope it's worth it.
1: Yeah. I also heard an analogy from from Adam Lunt, who's getting a lot of shout outs on this podcast. He's been doing a great job. <laughs> he equated it to being at a bar with with one of your friends or acquaintances, if if, if, you, if OU wants to say they're just acquaintances and not friends. He sucker punches you from behind and you're expected to just get up, dust yourself off, and hold the door open for him as he leaves. <laughs> like that's that's essentially what is asking. Oklahoma State to do, or you know, pay for their Uber ride too on their way home. That's essentially what what is asking you to do. It's not realistic. It's it's bad business. It's their business. They're gonna they're gonna profit off this big time, and it's a, it's a great move for them. But uh, there, there's costs of doing bad business. That's that's totally how I feel about it. Uh, another bit of news that came out, I think today from from Bill Haston, Tulsa World, is uh, Chad Weiberg has admitted that the OSU's football stadium is is likely to do an upgrade. He says, quote, if you're standing still, you're falling behind. And Hayson says he's exactly correct. Before the this end of this calendar year, I expect significant announcement regarding OSU football slash amenities. Such a play would bolster Oklahoma State's position as a candidate for Pac-12 or Big 10 membership. Get after it, Chad Weiberg. Re-build the, build up the boon. Love it. This quote
0: is so good from Chad Weiberg. If you're standing still, you're falling behind. That is so true in collegiate athletics in many, uh, aspects that quote is so true. Announce a huge, uh, renovation upgrade additions to Boone Pickens stadium to all the facilities and show it to the pac 12 and big 10 and say, look we are here for the long haul we want to be around we want to be a player we want to continue to grow and uh, away from oklahoma oklahoma state can maybe even grow to heights that they haven't been able to reach in the shadow of the crew down in norman so i love it i hope it gets announced uh it, it really it's to the point now where it is a race it is an arms race in college football kirk Herbstreit said it last week it's an arms race it's about the money it's about what you can show your worth is in the long-term and Oklahoma State upgrading the facilities, throwing a bunch of money into it. That that money's going to come back tenfold if Oklahoma State can position themselves in the Big Ten or the Pac-12 and lock up long-term stability for these massive TV deals that are going to be making their way through college football over the next two decades.
1: Well, it's certainly time for Chad Weiberg to strap up his, his orange cowboy boots like Mike Holder liked to wear and put on his fundraising pants because – I think that's gonna be a huge bargaining chip for him with, with donors is you wanna get out of this league? You wanna to go to the Big 10? You wanna to go to the Pac-12? Work up some dough so we can upgrade our stadium and put, put us on the same level as some of the schools in those conferences. And you know, Chad does have a background in fundraising and I, I think he'll do a good job with that, but it's become a greater issue than just, we need, a, we need to update our stadium after 12, 13 years. It's become an issue of, are we going to survive? That's, those are the stakes. So I fully expect him to, to round up some of the boosters and, and fundraisers. And and I know they're making a ton of money as well. I've talked to some people in Stillwater off Boone Pickens' estate. I think they're making a boatload of money. And maybe maybe that's a bargaining chip with the Big Ten. I have no idea. Maybe they could take less money from a TV deal with the Big Ten in, in the interim in the first you know several years. There's a, there's a lot of ways this can go. And I think that's why you're right, Colby. It's going to take... Well past this college football season for the dust to settle, but I again, I the more I talk about it, the more I think about it. I think OSU is going to have something to offer the Big Ten. So for everyone saying the AAU thing is just a total blockade, you may be right. I just disagree with that. I think I think there are some avenues that OSU can use to get there, and certainly with with the Pac-12 as well.
0: Can we just say shout out Boone Pickens taking care of us from the grave? Shout out Boone Pickens, man. It's amazing. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Beautiful
1: you would gasp at, at some of the figures that was being thrown at me, but uh, oh, I'm sure I would.
0: It's uh, I mean, I gasp every time I drive by Carson and I, every time I go to Carson Creek and I'm reminded that he had his childhood home in Texas dug up from the earth and transported <laughs> to Carson Creek to be reconstructed right behind number 10 T box at Carston because that's where uh, he wanted to spend all of eternity was at Carson Creek. It's just, uh, that's, That's big
1: money. That ain't small money. That's big money. Yeah. And it's, it's incredible. And I do think Mike Gundy, since we're talking about Boone is, he seems reinvigorated with the new leadership with, with Chad Weiberg, you know, you know, Boone and Holder aren't around anymore. I know they butted heads a lot on a lot of different topics. He just, I get the sense Mike's a little more relaxed and maybe he is when he says he wants to coach another eight to 10 to 12 years, maybe he is telling the truth about that, but I want to, I do want to say this. I think it's important to, to note that I'm really glad Mike Gunny didn't leave. I'm, at one point, I, I kind of wanted him to. I was tired of him flirting with other schools. I was like, Oklahoma State can survive without him. They'll be, they'll be just fine. But in these times, these unshaky, these these shaky times with you know the Big Ten, Pac-12, SEC, and all those things, man, it looks good having that captain on the ship. Mike, one of the longest tenured coaches in all of college football, who's whose record is, is impeccable. Uh, I, I sure do feel a lot better about where OSU stands at the remaining schools since Mike Gundy is still the head coach. I'm, I'm glad yeah. he's around.
0: Yeah, if I could say something that I've said before and that I'm sure I'll have to say again in the future, I was wrong. I, I was wrong. I uh, I like you. I got tired of flirting with other schools. I've got tired of the, the game plan going into Bedlam each and every year uh, when the stuff came out with Chuba and everything. And, and then there were deeper stories about a disconnect between Mike Gundy and his players. I, I thought to myself, Mike Gundy ha- has lost his players. He's lost the locker room. He's out of touch. He cares more about goat farming right now than he does about coaching football. And it kind of seems like he's done a complete 180 since then. And now knowing what we know now about conference realignment, the idea that Oklahoma state would have some unproven first or second year head coach leading them through this and not knowing uh, what, what the stability is of the Oklahoma state program. I think that that would be a, a devastating unintended consequence of Mike Gundy no longer being the head coach at Oklahoma state. So knowing what I know now, I, I feel comfortable saying I was wrong. It would have been bad for Oklahoma State football, and it would have been bad for Oklahoma State athletics if Mike Gundy would have moved on a year or two ago whenever I thought it was time. So uh, I was wrong on that. Big credit to Mike Gundy for doing what he's done over the past year. And he says he wants to coach 8 to 10 to 12 more. I'll say this. Mike Gundy should coach however much longer that Mike Gundy is willing to give everything to it. As long as he's willing to give everything to it, he should continue coaching. As soon as he decides that he'd rather be at home with the goats than at at Boone Pickens Stadium, uh, watching film and putting in the work, then it's time to turn the keys over to somebody else. But as long as he's willing to give everything to it, stick around.
1: And to me, it appears he has put more into it just in terms of recruiting. I mean, this this is the best he's ever recruited in terms of the types of class and types of players he's getting. So I do think he's reinvigorated and and frankly working a little harder than he was. He was pretty set in his ways there for a few years. And I do think he he feels reinvigorated, new leadership, new feel around the building. So that's that's certainly exciting for, for Oklahoma State. And we'll have to wait and see how the dust settles on uh, on conference realignment. Any more on that topic before we move on? Uh, don't believe so. I'm
0: sure that we'll have more in the coming weeks. It seems like, we haven't had any big news, but it seems like every day we get one tiny nugget. Like they're just leaving us breadcrumbs to follow this trail. And once we get to the end of it, we're going to figure out where everybody's headed. So I don't think we're getting any huge news in the near future on it. But we're going to keep getting these tiny little nuggets, these reports from sources about who could be heading where. But I don't think the big news drops
1: for a while. Did you see, my last thought, did you see Bob Bowlesby's signature? No. You haven't seen this? No, is it bad? I had a tweet about it in Mexico. I was so baffled and and just my mind was blown. You have to go to like my Twitter account. I've tweeted it a little bit since then, but not a ton. Uh, I, I quote tweeted it with like what it looks like it's actually spelled. It his signature, for those who haven't seen it, it looks like it's spelled N-U-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-U-U-Y, comma I I. like the second. That's what his signature looks like. Uh, I mean, nutty would be the way to describe some of the things that he.
0: <laughs> we didn't even get into that. Bob Bowlesby really got in front of a microphone and said, "Well, if we had known that oh, OU or Texas were unhappy about anything, we would have loved to have rectified the situation." Dude, what have you been doing the last few years? I, I don't know. I don't get it. Uh, my my sympathy for for Bob Bowles. I'm sure Bob Bowles, he's a good dude. I've I've met him at Big Twelve beat media days. He is a good dude, but just the reactionary nature of it and that's another reason why i just i i can't get behind these schools staying together and trying to figure it out and do scheduling and all that stuff i can't get behind that because i mean bowlsby's proven that this league just doesn't really have its finger on the pulse of college football every time something happens that shakes the landscape of college football all these other conferences are in good shape and what's Oklahoma or what not oklahoma state what's the big 12 doing the big 12 looking around going oh where did that come from? How did this happen? No, I'm out. I'm out on it.
1: I just texted you his signature. It is absolutely mind-blowing. I,
0: oh I will God, say signature that does not say Bob Bowlesby. That does not say Robert Bowlesby. What am I looking at?
1: Like, did he like like what is he what is he doing? Oh, that's so bad. That's what's, so what's bad. What's the comma for? What's the comma? Oh, I guess he is the second. His name's Robert A. Bowlesby the second. So he put the comma I I. But before that, it's what I just spelled out earlier. I, I, just, I don't know what he's doing. Now, I, I will say this on his behalf before I hear your comments on his signature. I don't know what they're I don't know what he could have done strictly on the fact that Oklahoma and Texas didn't want a Big 12 network. They wanted their own revenue. OU wanted their own third-tier rights. Longhorn Network obviously was pumping in tons of cash from ESPN. His hand, And none of the 10 schools wanted to expand and share their piece of the pie. I don't know what he could have done to really salvage this conference. Maybe he could have convinced them that they needed to expand. That's probably what he should have done, but I don't think those people were willing to do it at all those schools. Now, where he screwed up biggest by far that I thought weakened the conference was after the debacle of, of giving two, two trophies to Oklahoma and Kansas State, even though they played a round robin and Kansas State won on OU's home field. The very next season, they do the, the one true champion campaign. We're going to have one true champion. We're going to hand out one trophy. It's all the marbles, round robin. Everyone plays everyone. No one else does that. And what do they do? Bob Bowles in the same day, goes to Waco and hands out a trophy and Fort Worth and hands out a trophy. And you know what the, the college football playoff said? You know what? You can't even decide who your best team is, so we're not including any of them. See you later. Big 12's out. And – that's not leadership. That is backtracking. That is totally not being a strong leader. He should have gone to Baylor because they won the head-to-head matchup that they, they trumpeted all season long.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's just to me it wasn't the one thing with the OU Texas it's just the reactionary nature of the Big 12 the last 15 years it's just a conference that always seems to be lagging a little bit behind and it's not one specific thing that I can point to and say oh the commissioner could have done this better the commissioner could have done this better I just look around at the other leagues that seem to have a pretty good grasp on the landscape of college football and then I look at the Big 12 that now over the last 15 years has lost Nebraska and Colorado and Texas A&M and Missouri and OU and Texas and I'm like that conference clearly does not have a grip on what's happening and how to sustain your success and be you know successful long term uh in in modern collegiate football so for all those reasons I'm out
1: yep I'm with you uh we did have some you know we we talked so much about the Pac-12 well it turns out Mike Boynton and company are going to play USC the basketball schools are going to get together in Oklahoma City at the newly named PACOM Center. Uh, It's part of the – what's it called here? The Compete for Cause Classic, a doubleheader. Tulsa and North Texas will also play in the PACOM that day. What date is it? 21st, I believe, of December. Okay,
0: yes. Pro Oklahoma State and USC is December 21st uh, of this year. So that will be – what a date that is. Is that the same forward and backward? Because I love a good palindrome. 12-21-21. No, nah, it's, yeah. nope, it's not. It'd be not. a little different backward than forward, but still fun date.
1: No, I mean, great non-conference game for OSU. I mean, USC has been pretty good under Andy Enfield since he's been there. They won't have Evan Mobley, which which helps OSU's cause. And uh, it's certainly interesting that the that Oklahoma State and USC were talking, though, to schedule a basketball game. I mean, those same officials would have to discuss potentially a move to the PAC 12 at some point. So that's, that's somewhat interesting. Is it not?
0: I definitely think it is Uh, We wonder who all was on that phone call. What all was said. I will say this would have loved to have seen Kate Cunningham and Evan Mobley, go back and forth. Ooh. Now, both of those guys are gone, so we're maybe just a year late on getting uh, Oklahoma State and USC together for a basketball game. I don't know what USC had past Evan Mobley. Uh, I'm sure I'll educate myself more on that closer to December 21st, but I know that Oklahoma State's looking real good even on the heels of losing Cade Cunningham. I mean, to go out this summer convince Bryce Williams to stay get Bryce Thompson get Musa Sise. it's been an unbelievable offseason for Mike Boynton and he was tweeting out let's work this morning and uh and maybe something else is on the way so I don't know Mike Boynton's got it rolling I'll take the Cowboys to win and cover on the 21st of December is that is that jumping the gun a little bit
1: uh just a tad just a <laughs> tad but no it's uh it's gonna be fun I, I think you know Mike Boynton needs to, like, trademark the hashtag Let's Work. I mean, Josh Giddy, the Thunder's sixth yeah. overall pick, was using the Let's Work mantra. I was like, Coach, you got you to patent this. You got to market this. You, you got your own name image, name, image, and likeness to worry about. So I, he liked that tweet. But uh, I can't wait for basketball. But uh, that, that was certainly interesting news.
0: He's too busy convincing the best players in the country
1: to come play in Gallagher-Iba Arena. So. Oh, it's, cool it's, with amazing. It. it's amazing. It's amazing. He's incredible. in on so many big dudes. It's, it's, it's incredible. incredible uh mason rudolph will start in the hall of fame game i believe that's on friday night uh that's yes it is thursday
0: huh? thursday at seven
1: is that right thursday
0: seven is what i saw yesterday
1: so okay last well it says friday on uh the oh, i'm not screwed it up now I, I think the- you're right though i think the hall of fame games here i have i have a google machine right here
0: i know i'm trying to figure it out now my computer wants it's to it's go- thursday
1: you're right so the article i was reading was wrong so okay, mason of- mason getting the nod over and he already beat out josh dobbs um so he's trying to beat out i guess did they pick up uh they picked up dwayne haskins who was yep. a, just a calamity in, in washington and so what's the deal with roethlisberger i haven't I was, i've been in mexico is roethlisberger hurt he's entering his 18th season but uh, um, no, just it's sitting him for this game.
0: Yeah. I think they're just sitting him. I mean, the playing the hall of fame game gives you that extra preseason game. I just don't think they're going to run him out there. Roethlisberger is still the guy barring injury. Now injury is a very real possibility. We saw it last year with the arm. He's getting older. Uh, Big Ben. How do I want to put this? Big Ben has not been the absolute pinnacle of, of athleticism throughout his career. Maybe has not abided by the TB 12 method in the off season to make sure that his body is totally ready to go for what is now a 17 game regular season. So it's entirely possible that big Ben does not see all 17 of those games. Mason Rudolph, I think to this point in his NFL career, we can chalk it up as very average. He's been a backup. He's had a couple of good moments. He's had some bad moments, certainly, Uh, but he's a, a fine serviceable backup quarterback in the NFL. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And I have not watched any football in a long time. I like Mason Rudolph. I like the Dallas Cowboys. I'll tune in tomorrow for at least the first quarter of the first half and see what it looks like.
1: Yeah, I definitely will as well. Any football is good with me. So I'm I'm fired up for that. And I, I am a little surprised with how Mason played, the level of confidence the Steelers are showing in him. You know, he had a pretty big, pretty big chance to impress with how many games Roethlisberger has missed since he's been there and he to me he hasn't really done a whole lot to impress but they did sign him to a one-year five million dollar extension this past April that keeps him on the Steelers book through 2022 so that's the vote of confidence that they, they feel confident in him as the backup to Roethlisberger or even if Roethlisberger's out for the year again to that he's the guy that you know the, a lot of times in the NFL Colby what your contract says is what the depth chart is. If the guy's making more money than you, like he needs to be out there to justify the GM's decisions. So that's that's at least a vote of confidence from Pittsburgh uh, going into this year.
0: Yeah, it absolutely is. And I, I still don't know what the ceiling on Rudolph is. I don't, I don't know if he can be a starter in the NFL, if he can be a long-term starter in the NFL. But I do know that if you don't ever get opportunities, you don't have a chance to prove yourself. So Rudolph's going to have to be better than he's been so far in his NFL career. But I mean, that progression could be there. So be just interesting to see, uh, you know, the arm motion, the arm strength, the decision-making because that's, what's gotten him in trouble sometimes in the NFL, he gets in there and and he tries to force a throw that he could make in college in the NFL. Those DBs are just a little bit faster and they're just in a little bit better position. And some of those don't wind up in the hands of the guys you want them to. So uh, always cheer hard for all former Cowboys, but we'll see what it looks like with Rudolph. Maybe him
1: and Washington will hook up. That'd be fun. That would be fun. Um, You know, we mentioned the PAC 12 and big 12 getting together in basketball. Well, OSU officials are also talking to a school from the Big Ten. So I'm loving all the, the cross sports uh, communication we're having between the conferences, but Oklahoma State and Penn State, it's reportedly so that they're going to duel against each other next year in wrestling. You know, they're, they're just starting this national duels format and lineup was announced. A lot of the best teams will be there, but notably Oklahoma State and Penn State will not be because they're likely to just duel each other. They're two of the best programs in the country. And uh, that, that certainly will be exciting, Colby. And I, I love that Chad Weiberg's talking to officials in the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. I love it. Keep keep that phone line uh, going.
0: Yeah, I love it, too. Absolutely. Penn State and Oklahoma State in wrestling, it's about as good as it gets. I mean, Penn State, Iowa, or iowa Oklahoma State would be pretty close. But, I mean, those are kind of the three programs, more Penn State and Iowa lately. But Oklahoma State on the rise now with Ferrari and some of the guys that they're bringing in. So, Oklahoma State, Penn State, dueling, I'm, I'm way in on that.
1: Does Ferrari enter his match this year like a WWE wrestler with theme music and like a like a like a macho? I'm picturing like a macho man, Randy Savage, like get up with like the the tassels hanging off his arms and spinning around in circles and and ripping it off and flexing. Like I, I'm I'm so fired up for the AJ Ferrari uh, theatrics and name image likeness stuff. I, I can't wait to see it.
0: Oh, I am too. He's going to be absolutely electric. He's already been electric pre-NIL, and now he's a collegiate wrestler who actually has a chance to make some money on NIL because he's such a character, uh, so outgoing, so uh, fun to watch, and he's great at what he does. I mean, he's one of the best in the country, if not the best in the country, so uh, I can't wait to watch AJ Ferrari and how he progresses uh, and just continues to develop at Oklahoma State.
1: Yeah. And we could see Dayton fix against Roman Bravo young, who he lost to in the, in the finals, uh, at the NCAAs, which would be a, a huge, huge matchup for fans of wrestling. So that, that's exciting. Uh, the OSU scheduling well in football, scheduling well in basketball and and wrestling, which, uh, will only help them, I believe, should they switch conferences, uh, in, in the near future. So we'll be following that story probably through the entirety of the football season, if not longer. So we'll, we'll keep you up to date on that. And, um, Colby, we'll get with you later in the week. That's a lot of good stuff today, as always, Carson. Go Pokes.